and thanks for tuning in to the Breast Cancer Action Podcast. Breast Cancer Action is not your average breast cancer organization, and this is not your average podcast. We're people-powered and we're fiercely independent, radical and compassionate. We never shy away from the hard truths. We bring you the facts and we tell it like it is about breast cancer and what you can do about it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Breast Cancer Action's podcast. My name is Jayla Burton, the program manager here at Breast Cancer Action, and today I'll be your host. This episode is coming to you as we wrap up our 2021 Think Before You Pink campaign, which this year was titled Stop Banking on Breast Cancer. We launched this campaign on October 1st, and it ran all the way through October 31st. Our annual industry disrupting campaign each year draws attention to the pink ribbon marketing and culture that we see in the month of October, which is notoriously known as Breast Cancer Awareness Month. At Breast Cancer Action, we know that instead of being called Breast Cancer Awareness Month, that it's really Breast Cancer Industry Month. And during this time, we are subjected to a flurry of pink ribbons and pink ribbon marketing that encourages us to do various things such as race, donate, and shop all for the cure. During this month, there is a significant lack of accountability, an absence of transparency, and widespread hypocrisy within this pink ribbon marketing culture. Pink ribbon marketing also exploits a disease that devastates individuals, communities, and misrepresents those who are most affected by this disease. Through the Think Before You Pink campaign, we push back on corporations, mega nonprofits, government leaders, and regulatory agencies that use pink ribbons or the color pink in general for empty awareness and to distract from the systemic issues at the core of this crisis. In today's episode, we'll go over some of the highlights from this year's Stop Banking on Breast Cancer campaign, as told by the panel of incredible speakers who joined us at our amazing event called Radical Disruption and Compassionate Resistance that took place on October 12th. At this event, not only did attendees have the opportunity to take collective action, but we were lucky enough to host a powerful panel of experts that gave an overview of the campaign and why it is important to take action against the Pink Ribbon Banking Program. This event panel featured myself, Breast Cancer Action's Executive Director, Dr. Crystal Redman, who also goes by KR, Dr. Sandra Steingraber, and our very own board member, Coco Veluz. Dr. Sandra Steingraber is a nationally known biologist, author, and former cancer patient who writes about climate change, ecology, and the links between human health and the environment. Dr. Steingraber's highly acclaimed book, Living Downstream, an ecologist's personal investigation of cancer and the environment, was the first to bring together data on toxic releases with data from the U.S. Cancer Registries and was adopted for the screen in 2010. We are also honored to have our board member, Coco, on the panel discussion as well. Coco is the Health Equity Manager for the American Indian Cancer Foundation and has been working in community mobilization, education, and policy work for the past 20 years. She has experience in addressing the sacred use of tobacco as one of the founding members of the Native American Tobacco Coalition of Montana. Her overall goal is to promote indigenous cultural wellness, of our communities for generations to come. And of course, as you all know, KR centers her work in health justice. 
the liberation of folks who reside deep within the margins and in reproductive justice. She is a self-published author and a frequent speaker through sexual and reproductive justice and health justice movements, as well as in the public health sector. They bring over 16 years of experience in leading health promotion and disease prevention initiatives, as well as organizing towards equitable access, care, and treatment within community-based and center programs. So stay tuned in to hear more from our truth-telling panelists as they tell the story of Stop Banking on Breast Cancer, a campaign calling on leading breast cancer organization, Susan G. Komen, to end their pink ribbon banking program run in partnership with Bank of America. Bank of America is a top financial contributor to the fossil fuel industry. Over half of those diagnosed with breast cancer in the United States have no risk factors, and family history accounts for only 10% of breast cancer diagnoses. And a large and growing body of evidence suggests that toxic chemicals, including environmental exposures from the fossil fuel industry, are fueling this epidemic. The fossil fuel industry exposes us to chemicals such as benzene, polyaromatic hydrocarbons, dioxins, and PFAS, from extraction to processing. And Susan G. Coleman's Pink Ribbon Banking Program is about much more than pink ribbon marketing. This is about telling Susan G. Coleman, an organization that claims to care about ending a breast cancer crisis, that they are pocketing millions of dollars from an industry that is indeed causing the very disease. So... Let's learn a little bit more about this campaign that I had the honor of leading throughout the month of October and why it is so critical for the partnership between Bank of America and Susan G. Coleman to be dissolved. We're going to start with an overview from KR, who opened up the panel discussion with myself, Dr. Stein Graber, and Coco at our event, Radical Disruption and Compassionate Resistance. Thank you everyone for being here this evening. This cross collaborative conversation is really an, an intentional space to highlight and uplift the intersectionals or the intersections rather of health, racial and environmental justice and how they're directly connected to breast cancer, uh, specifically this breast cancer crisis. So let's have this conversation. One thank you to Sandra, to Coco, and Jayla for having this critical conversation with me. Um, so we're here to discuss the importance of our Think Before You Pink campaign, Stop Banking on Breast Cancer. What a wonderful title, you know, um, just straight to the point. And uh, essentially the harm that Komen's partnership with Bank of America and the Susan G. Komen Pink Ribbon Banking Program continues to perpetuate. This year's campaign targets the partnership between Susan G. Coleman and BFA in the form of their pink ribbon banking cards. Uh, the two entities have a cause marketing partnership, which is made up of both, I'm sure you've seen it, a credit card and a debit card. And of course, as you, as you may have guessed, um, or as you may have seen, they have the infamous pink ribbon um, right on the front of them. Uh, and through this promotion, Bank of America has pledged to give about $1.5 million to Susan G. Komen between the years of 2021 and 2023. So here's the problem with that, right? These cards use the goodwill of the breast cancer community to raise money for both entities, while B of A profits fund the cancer-causing fossil fuel industry. So um, to give a little bit more on our Think Before You Pink campaign this year, our program manager, Jayla and campaign lead, will tell you a bit more about how this is played in pink washing. 
So right at the top of the conversation, KR perfectly lays out the foundation of the campaign and why we're calling on Susan G. Komen and Bank of America. In this campaign, we connected the dots between financial institutions, fossil fuel funding, and the environmental destruction that's going on with weaving in the importance of understanding environmental racism and our public health crisis that are exacerbated through environmental exposures and human rights violations. So we got a lot of questions during the month of October. Why did we decide to go after Bank of America? Don't many banks invest in fossil fuels? And our answer is yes, absolutely they do. From 2016 to 2020, Rainforest Action Network pulled together a report, and Bank of America was one of the top three banks in the world to contribute to fossil fuel expansion between those years. But what is so unique about Bank of America is that not only are they funding fossil fuels, they are also contributing to pink ribbon promotions. And that's what we call pinkwashing. When an organization claims to care about breast cancer, but their practices say otherwise. So at this event, we were able to dive deeper into what pinkwashing really is and the role that it plays in this partnership. Let's take a listen. As KR said, um, our campaign this year is Stop Banking on Breast Cancer, um, which kind of pulls to the surface the issues with the Pink Ribbon Banking Card program. Um, So back in 2002, a a lot of you were with us back then. Um, Some of you may be new, um, but we coined the term pinkwashing. Um, We consider a pinkwasher an organization, a company, or entity that claims to care about breast cancer while at the same time using or producing, manufacturing, or selling a product that also um, may increase the risk of the disease. Um, So we see the Pink Ribbon Banking Program as pinkwashing. And if you follow the money of the program, it really reveals the cyclical problem. Um, So the pink ribbon product, which would be the debit and banking cards that have pink ribbons all over them, raises money for Susan G. Coleman while generating a profit for Bank of America. So while Bank of America profits from the pink ribbon banking card, um, they are also making themselves look good. And they are distracting from the fact that they invest in fossil fuel products um, and remain one of the top major banks that invest in fossil fuel infrastructure. Um, We know all too well, um, you know, this is our bread and butter here at Breast Cancer Action, which is, you know, why we are really involved in fossil fuel work um, is because chemicals along the fossil fuel continuum um, from extracting to refining to um, producing of products that are made um, from fossil fuels um, as well, they create a line of chemical exposures at each of these steps. Um, And so these exposures are linked to increased breast cancer risk. And therefore, um, this is why um, we really want to end and call out the pink ribbon banking program. So while Susan G. Komen um, is getting money from this um, and positioning itself themselves as a leading breast cancer organization, they are just creating a very sustainable system um, that props up the fossil fuel industry and will only allow breast cancer to thrive. Um, fundraising off of promotions like the Pink Ribbon Banking Program is truly distracting um, from what the fossil fuel industry is doing. And not only is it distracting, but it really disrupts the health of specific communities, which we will go into uh, later as we get into the program and also um, causes 
um, violence, death, and contamination um, in our environment that are likely to increase the risk of disease. Um, so this has to stop. As you all know, we are um, a radical breast cancer organization that addresses and approaches breast cancer at the intersect of all of these different things. Komen has a brand new bold goal to reduce the number of cancer deaths by 50% in the United States by 2026. And that is amazing. That is an amazing goal. And we would love for that goal. And we would love to see that happen as well. But we're not going to get there if we continue to allow um, industries like the fossil fuel industry to cause this very disease that they claim that they are ending. As I stated throughout the campaign and at the event, Komen is causing the very disease it claims to end by partnering and propping up the cancer-causing industry, like the fossil fuel industry. Our next featured speaker, Dr. Sandra Stein Graber, doesn't hold back when it comes to exposing the depths of this problem. She directly claims that Susan G. Komen is not interested in preventing breast cancers. This is a huge, bold claim, and her words are powerful, as she does not pull her punches. Listen to her take on the Pink Ribbon Banking Program, bolstered by both her scientific expertise as well as her years of experience in activism, movement work, and the anti-fossil fuel coalitions that are driving this work forward. Dr. Steingraber even goes on to tell her personal cancer story and how this impacts all of the work that she does. Unmasking um, this cynical partnership between um, one of the main funders of the um, fossil fuel industry and, and a breast cancer organization. And I mean, let's just be really clear. Bank of America is not trying to prevent or cure breast cancer. It's ministering to a bad public relations campaign, right? It has a bad public relations problem um, because it's targeted now um, by all kinds of people who are even right now descending on Washington DC to, to demand from our president um, an end to the fossil fuel era. Bank of America is specifically targeted by the stop the money pipeline that's exposing the insurance companies and the banks that continue to prop up the fossil fuel era at a time of climate emergency when the fossil fuel party really needs to be ending. And Bank of America is one of the biggest villains of that. Even before the stop the money pipeline mobilization, um, Bank of America and um, the kind of nefarious things that it funded was exposed by the Occupy movement. So it has a long, it's been in that kind of crosshairs of activists for a long time. So for Susan Komen to give Bank of America this kind of cover and wrap up um, a climate disaster with a pink ribbon um, is just absolutely unconscionable. And, and let's also be clear that Susan G. Komen is not interested in um, preventing breast cancers because it wouldn't be partnering with organizations who produce chemicals and extract from the earth, um, oil, coal, and natural gas, releasing into air and water breast carcinogens. Um, and I'm really proud to be affiliated with Breast Cancer Action because you guys have been in the leadership role of exposing this kind of stuff. I remember a few years ago when Komen Foundation um, painted fracking drill heads bright Komen pink, which is a trademarked color, right? Um, and, and as if, you know, um, a mile below our feet in the deep shale layers that we're going to blow up to get more oil and gas, that somehow putting a 
Susan G. Komen pink, you know, down in the deep shale layers where the oil is, is somehow going to prevent breast cancer or cure it or do anything except release into our air, food, and water more breast um, carcinogen. So, so Susan G. Komen has been going at this for a while, and I feel like I have a kind of personal stake in this because Susan G. Komen is an actual woman who grew up in the same Illinois River Valley that I did, and we both were diagnosed with cancer young. Um, and we both lived in an area where there is an excess rate of cancer, um, especially among young people and 30 different toxic industries. Um, and so that's what I'm interested in shining a spotlight on that connection. And so is breast cancer action. So, um, so I'm just really happy about, um, the work that you guys are doing. And I just want to spend a minute to say that my own role in exposing the links between cancer and the environment began with a lived experience as, as is probably true for all the women breast, you know, cancer activists. I was diagnosed at 20 with an environmental cancer, bladder cancer, um, and my own diagnosing physician while I was still lying there exhaling anesthesia asked me a lot of questions about my early life exposure. Did I ever work in an aluminum smelter? Did I ever vulcanize tires, right? Um, and the kind of bladder, the kind of cancer I had, bladder cancer, not only is really rare among young women, it's mostly a disease of old men, but it affects the part of the body that is um, also the sexual part of a woman's body, right? And so there's a lot of trauma that goes around that, that comes with this kind of diagnosis, a lot of scoping that I had, a lot of, uh, of um, sort of physical trauma that I carry in my own body. And without breast cancer action and other radical breast can breast and other cancer movement, I think that my life would have been very different because um, to under to politicize what happened to me, to understand that I was just one data point in a cluster of cancer, I had to be part of a movement. And that was made possible um, in this rise of radical lesbian cancer activism that happened in the late 80s and early 90s that came right out of the AIDS activism that lesbian women were involved in and under that banner silence equals death began to look at the cancers that were afflicting the lesbian community itself and I feel like a major beneficiary of that work and my work is made possible by the work of those women so I just want to conclude this part of the conversation tonight just by saying the names of some of the women who are my mentors. Um, Rosa, uh, Rosario Morales, Jackie Winnow, Rita Arditi, Susan Shapiro, Jeannie Marshall, Jean Hardesty, Judy Brady, and of course Barbara Brenner, the founder of Breast Cancer Action. All of those women are dead, um, but the movement lives on. And the connections that all of these women collectively made about cancer and the environment, um, about how to follow the money, which was actually the name of the column that Judy Brady um, authored for Breast Cancer Action, and the resurrection of Rachel Carson as a lesbian, as a biologist, as someone who, who um, 60 years ago was making these connections. Um, women who marched, you know, carrying those signs, Rachel Carson was right. Those women inspired me. And I seek to continue that inspiration and, ca and carry it forward. So I now work as um, a senior scientist for the Science and Environmental Health Network. And our job is our little shop, um, our kind of self-proclaimed mission is to provide good science and good legal resources. So we're a, a team of both attorneys and scientists to people in frontline communities who are um, 
at the very front lines of where oil and gas is being extracted out of the ground and are paying the highest price. And I'm also this week the author of a letter together with climate scientist Peter Kalmus at the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration of a letter to President Biden calling on him to keep his campaign promises, declare a climate emergency, move away from false solutions, um, and provide essentially the scientific rationale for the movement that's gathering in Washington, D.C. this week, um, 135 arrests yesterday, 155 yesterday led by Indigenous women, today led by faith leaders, all week long, this connection between health and environment is going to be made in, in Washington, D.C., and I myself will be heading down there tomorrow and risking arrest on Thursday, which I hope to tell you more about um, later on. During the week of our event, Dr. Steingraber was actively participating in a week of direct action called People versus Fossil Fuels. This was organized by grassroots activists on a national level across the country, and the goal was to call out President Biden to end fossil fuel projects. Much of this work took place on the ground in D.C., where Dr. Steingraber joined Indigenous activists who risked arrest to raise awareness of this issue. Like this work, Stop Baking on Breast Cancer directly names that fossil fuels uniquely and disproportionately harm Indigenous communities. BIPOC and Indigenous communities are displaced, harmed, killed at higher rates, and fossil fuels have something to do with it. Our board member, Coco, shares her personal story as to how fossil fuel infrastructure in her community has impacted not only her, but her family and loved ones as well. Sandra, thank you so much for your stories and, and acknowledging those people that have come before us and, and KR and Jayla for all the brilliant work that you do and, and making the connections between the chemicals and our cancer risks and our environment. Um, I'm tuning in from the ancestral homelands of the Dakota Nakono Yate, and it's so amazing to see everybody, um, you know, acknowledging the traditional ancestral lands that we are all living on. Um, thank you for that. Um, as a health equity manager for the American Indian Cancer Foundation, as well as being an Indigenous person and a mother, um, it is my responsibility, as well as all of us, to make sure that we are taking care of Unchimaka, Mother Earth, um, to really write policy and education and systems for the way that we want to live. We know that the places we live can be determinants of how we learn, work, exercise, eat. You know, if you know us, we love to, you know, have good food <laughs> and enjoy time together. And all of those influence our environments and really determine if a person, family or community is healthy. What we do now really impacts the next seven generations. Right now, a major disruptor to our environment is expanding fossil fuel infrastructure and the environmental destruction it causes. It impacts the health of our indigenous communities and all of us. And I'm so glad to see the Stop Banking on Breast Cancer campaign directly names the unique harm faced by indigenous communities from the fossil fuel industry. This campaign specifically names line three, the tar sands pipeline that Bank of America is a funder of. And it runs through the ancestral Anishinaabe lands in Minnesota and violates the treaty rights of many indigenous communities. And where some of my friends right now are on the front lines as we speak, just like Sandra was sharing about um, 
what she's going to be doing, you know, on Thursday, as well as um, the people that have been there all week. So sending all the good love and vibes to them for standing up for Mother Earth. And as we've seen with line three, as um, other fossil fuel infrastructure, the pipeline and the spills that has already caused in production exposes indigenous communities and all of us to high levels of hazardous air and water pollution. And let me just say, you know, where I live at, um, I test my water quite often and it comes up as toxic. And so that's just something that we're fighting for basic access to that every, you know, human being should have access to clean waters. And as the campaign points out, we cannot ignore the human rights violations that occurs in erecting pipeline infrastructures. One spill is one too many. Water protectors are over-policed, criminalized, and subject to state-sanctioned violence for peacefully, let me repeat, peacefully protesting pipeline construction and for basic human rights to access of clean waters for our families and future generations. Furthermore, under the oil boom, indigenous communities have reported increased rates of human trafficking and missing and murdered indigenous women in their communities. And I can share my own experiences where I live very close to an oil boom. And when my family go, because let me tell you, it takes me two hours to just go to, um, you know, a, a normal size store. <laughs> um, but my children and I have been targeted by people who are out to traffic. And so, um, you know, when I leave my home, I have a constant, uh, you know, uh, connection to my children because that's a fear that we live in every day that is caused by a lot of the environmental impacts um, from these fossil fuel industries. So for our communities and our environments to thrive, we must stop fossil fuels and Susan G. Coleman clearly needs to phase out this partnership instead of making money from it. Wow, what a story. I want to go right into KR's response to Coco's words. As KR holds space to reflect on the power of the personal stories Coco and Sandra have both shared. Remember, Coco illuminated how not only her water in her home is toxic and undrinkable, but also that she is forced to pay extra attention to her children when running basic errands because they have been targeted for trafficking before. Here's KR's response. I just really want to just take a moment to like hold that um, space that both Coco and Sandra have uplifted with these personal stories. We know that our personal stories, our lived experiences is essentially qualitative data. And so often we forget about the power of those experiences and the power of um, just us, right? So I just really wanna hold that and take that moment. So thank you for sharing. These are powerful stories. The Pink Ribbon Banking Program is problematic not only because we don't like pink or because pink ribbons shouldn't be used in marketing campaigns, but because this partnership supports an industry that is causing real, catastrophic, unacceptable harm to our families and our health. Following Coco's personal revelations, KR steps in to outline how environmental racism is inherent to the fossil fuel industry. Here's a recap of what she said. In this moment, I also want to just name that here we can see how environmental racism is inherent in the fossil fuel industry. That should be no question about it. Environmental racism is essentially weaved through the fossil fuel industry and is the roots of the fossil fuel industry. And not only do fossil fuels disproportionately harm indigenous communities, as we've said on this panel already, um, but as well as BIPOC folks, 
and as well as specifically folks um, who uh, are within low income communities. So these communities are also hit first and the worst by fossil fuels, as we explained. Um, but just to elaborate more on what environmental racism looks like, as um, you know, Jaylee even mentioned uh, previously, fossil fuels, including coal, oil and gas are a part of the center of the crisis we face, including public health, racial injustice, or specifically racism, like let's just name it what it is, health justice and environmental um, uh, justice issues. As you may be aware, the fossil fuel industry as a part of systemic oppression and systemic racism contributes to the health inequities and harms and um, excuse me, and harms and kills hundreds of thousands of people in the US each year and disproportionately endangers BIPOC and poor communities. The extraction, processing, transport and combustion of fossil fuels, such as the ones we've listed, generates toxins in the air and water as both Sandra and Coco named. This exposure is directly linked to negative health impacts and outcomes for people who live near these pollution sites. Um, essentially, racial bias is industrial zoning, or excuse me, in industrial zoning has led to extraction, extraction operations, chemical and plastic manufacturers, and uh, refineries being disproportionately located in Black, Brown, Indigenous communities. So just take a moment, think about who predominantly lives in these communities that house pollution sites. Because these identities are disproportionately Black, Latini, um, Indigenous, AAPI, and people who have lower income, thus these are the communities that are harmed the most. Um, essentially, decades of racially biased urban planning practices have led to a greater concentration of highways, ports, and uh, train lines located in close proximity to where BIPOC people live. Uh, in addition to extreme weather from climate change increases the risk of chemical spills and accidents in these industrial facilities. As Coco pointed out earlier, in addition to the negative effects on our health and the environment, fossil fuels depend on and contributes to the legacy of systemic racism in the US. Fossil fuels practices take place on ancestral land as Coco very so clearly expressed, but specifically ancestral land of indigenous folks, making this industry complicit beneficiary, uh, beneficiary, excuse me, of the force removal, harm, violence, and genocide of indigenous people. Environmental and systemic racism uh, or racist practices rather, such as systemic denial of various services to residents known as redlining and housing discrimination, longstanding social and racial inequities, um, excuse me, colonization, genocide and displacement of BIPOC communities harm um, our, our sacred lands. All support the creation of a system that harms and kills BIPOC and low-income communities. So tackling this, as our friends at Greenpeace Org has put it, fossil fuel racism would go a long way to address our present overlapping crises and correct the injustices that historically targeted and marginalized communities have faced. Further, our friends again at Greenpeace said it best when they said a fossil fuel phase out essentially an immediate halt to new extraction and infrastructure build out and managed wind down of existing production that prioritizes the needs of affected workers and communities is necessary to end fossil fuel racism and fully address the public health, racial injustice and climate crisis. And I would push beyond this and say this will further help to address and end breast cancer. 
Finally, BFA has pledged to commit $1.25 billion. You've heard me correctly, $1.25 billion to tackle the racial inequities and their um, commitment to advance racial equality, but their practice says otherwise. This is not anti-racist work. Susan G. Komen's partnership not only supports the direct harm of BIPOC communities and their increased risk of breast cancer, it also supports environmental racism and injustices, as well as an overall racist history and current practice. As KR points out, Bank of America has pledged a substantial amount of money into their quote-unquote anti-racist work. This has been a trend that we've seen over the course of the last year. Across the nation, organizations and corporations are pledging to step up their anti-racist work. Susan G. Coleman has done that as well. In addition to the organization's stated goal of reducing breast cancer mortality by 50% by 2026, which is a phenomenal goal, Coleman has increased their anti-racist rhetoric and has also set a goal of reducing breast cancer disparities between Black and white women by 25% in the U.S. and metropolitan areas. Komen has outlined strategies and tactics with feel-good phrasing such as trying to empower women of color with knowledge, encouraging us to get extra screenings, knowing our family history, and knowing that we are normal and advocating for ourselves. This all sounds good, but despite a good amount of buzzwords, we at Breast Cancer Action know that it is not an individual's fault for getting breast cancer, and individual asks of risk reduction are not enough to solve the breast cancer crisis, or disparities for that matter. Corporations and industries can do far more than what they're doing now to stop breast cancer by stopping environmental exposures and getting to the root of what's causing this disease. Not only would this be more effective, but this is what real anti-racist work looks like. Systemic change to produce broad public health benefits that will benefit entire communities and address healthcare disparities. If Coleman truly cares about our Black, Brown, and Indigenous communities, they will align themselves with the Black, Brown, and Indigenous communities fighting on the front lines as Sandra and Coco perfectly laid out. That is why Stop Banking on Breast Cancer is bigger than a call out of the Pink Ribbon Banking Program. It's actually a call in. This is an invitation to Susan G. Coleman. And if they really want to be the leading breast cancer organization, we've mapped out a step for them to take in order to do so. Breast Cancer Action has long said that people of color must be placed in the center when it comes to developing solutions to address our public health crisis. And communities of color must also benefit economically from these solutions as well. Our steps and our call to Komen is very clear. If they want to end the breast cancer epidemic and the disparities that are laced within, they have to listen, watch, and align themselves with what BIPOC communities are asking for. And propping up the fossil fuel industry is just the opposite of that. Throughout the month of October, we challenged Susan G. Coleman to go beyond their awareness and to take real action, which can start by phasing out the pink ribbon banking program with fossil fuel funder Bank of America. The panel concluded with a note from Dr. Steingraber as she spoke about not only how she has witnessed the environmental racism of the fossil fuel industry, but also about how her identity informs her activism. As she concludes, she asks all of us to consider our own identities and how they can provide an inlet to the work that is most meaningful for all of us. 
Listen in to how she brought this all together. I just want to invite everyone to consider the intersections that you've laid out here um, between um, racism, war on poor people, the criminalization and police states and environmental destruction and, and, and climate destruction that um, it's shocking to me at this point in history that a breast cancer organization would align itself with one of the main villains who funding the, the fossil fuel um, party. And if anyone's actually interested in the science of the ways in which fossil fuel extraction, especially fracking, is targeted to black, brown, indigenous, and impoverished communities, um, I've I and my colleagues um, at Concerned Health Professionals New York have laid it out in this compendium on the scientific, medical, and media findings demonstrating the risks and harms of fracking. And there's a whole chapter in here on environmental, um, the environmental racism. And just to put a finer point on that, one of the stories we outline in here is uh, in Colorado, where a fracking industry wanted to frack near a um, preschool that was located in a sort of a wealthy white community, those folks organized against it. They had friends and money, uh, friends in you know, high places, elected officials, and pushed it out. And so the, the industry moved into Bella uh, Romero, which is um, a Latina community where people didn't speak English, a lot of undocumented people who were afraid to speak out. Um, and so this is how the fossil fuel industry targets these kind of communities. And it's just shameful that... Um, Susan G. Komen would want to align itself with with this kind of stuff. The fossil fuel industry is free from the kind of regulations that govern all other industries, including right to know laws that would allow us as citizens to know what uh, carcinogens are putting into air, food and water. The fossil fuel industry gets a pass from that, from legislation that was passed in 2005. So they're surrounded by this veil of secrecy. And I'm working as a biologist to pull that back. And part of what drives me in, in doing that, what makes me feel like I can play to win is feeling informed by my own identity as an adoptee. Um, I also feel informed my, by my own identity as a queer woman. I also feel informed by my identity as, as a mother. And one of the things that you discover when you bring all of your parts of your autobiography to this work, like one of my discoveries is it turns out I'm a really good prisoner because I'm a really good cancer patient, right? So I know how to lay in, under an MRI machine or in a, in a uh, get a bone scan for 30 minutes and breathe very shallowly and not move and not freak out. I know how to be in a hospital hooked up to IV drips with the lights on all night and people touching me in places that they shouldn't and the food is terrible. And guess what? Jail is the same way, right? The lights are on all night. The food's terrible. People touch you. So what? So my ability to handle myself in handcuffs and ankle manacles is informed by my ability to handle myself with a heparin lock and, a, and an IV drip and try to walk down uh, a hospital corridor. And so I bring a skill set with me as a cancer survivor and a play to win attitude and a, like fight the fuck on, right? That's what we all do as cancer survivors when we're trying to stay alive. And if you bring that work to the climate crisis and to the environmental crisis, it's a really powerful thing. So I just encourage you and invite you to think about who you are and where you can fit yourself into this fight. And thanks Breast Cancer Action for leading it. The impact of the Stop Banking on Breast Cancer campaign has already been substantial. 
Just as Dr. Steingraber calls on us to consider our identities and how they have formed our work to address and end breast cancer, it is clear this campaign resonated strongly with our members and aligned organization who have zero patience for Coleman's hypocrisy. Our members sent over 1,000 letters to Susan G. Coleman throughout the month and are still sending letters now that the month is concluded. In this letter, we demanded that they end pink ribbon banking, stop banking on breast cancer, and divest from pink washing. Our members are our power, and we are so grateful to all of you that took action with us. Additionally, media pieces about the campaign reached over 900,000 people, and social media posts from our accounts, as well as the social media storms of our members and partnered organizations who joined us in tagging Susan G. Komen, reached tens of thousands of people. Komen responded to our campaign with a predictable, evasive response and a written statement on Spectrum News One Ohio, who did a video feature on our campaign entitled Breast Cancer Action, Turning Breast Cancer Awareness Month into an Action Movement. In a statement from Sean Tufnell, Susan G. Coleman's Director of Communications, the organization responded, expressing their pride in their 22-year partnership with Bank of America, and also saying praises for the $10 million that have been raised through Bank of America to support their advocacy, research, and patient care services. Let me repeat, they are proud of this relationship with an entity that is largely responsible for the global expansion of cancer-causing fossil fuels. We're not ones to shy away from providing our critical take on pinkwash statements like this, so we immediately released our statement in response, which you can find on our Instagram or on our website. Susan G. Coleman should not be proud to be partnered with a financial institution that exploits people living with and at risk of breast cancer for their own gain and to the benefit of Bank of America. By Coleman allowing this partnership, Coleman is helping Bank of America divert attention away from the climate chaos and public health crisis its fossil fuel portfolio intensifies. It's no wonder Coleman has a legacy of downplaying environmental health harms associated with increased breast cancer risk because the companies causing the health harms are some of their biggest co-conspirators. While October has concluded, our work to hold Coleman accountable to address environmental exposures and call out pinkwashing is still ongoing. Our Think Before You Pink campaigns have always provided an inlet into deeper work on the issues of which we are thought leaders. The environmental exposures, pinkwashing, and profiteering that we call out each year are folded into the core programmatic priorities of our work. And it's not too late to take action. We're leaving the action open for as long as we need to. So you can send a letter today to Susan G. Komen telling them how you feel about the Pink Ribbon Banking Program. We've made it easy to take action with our advocacy tool online, which you can also find on our website. If Susan G. Komen takes action and dissolves the Pink Ribbon Banking Program, it will be because of our collective action. If they ignore our campaign of this size, then we know where their priorities lie. And it's not with people at risk of breast cancer. We will not let up. We will continue to hold mega nonprofit Susan G. Komen and the fossil fuel industry accountable as we work towards a world where our loved ones and our communities are not threatened by this disease. So I would personally like to thank everyone for tuning in to learn more about our Stop Banking on Breast Cancer campaign. Thank everyone who has taken action over the course of October and for your partnership in our shared vision of a world without breast cancer. 
You can visit our website, sign up for more on our email list, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter to stay involved. And thank you for listening to our podcast today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Breast Cancer Action Podcast. All of our podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Give us a five-star review and be sure to subscribe. We want to hear from you. Tell us your stories, share your questions. Let us know who you want to hear from and who we should invite as a guest on the show. You can share your ideas by emailing info at bcaction.org or reaching out on Facebook or Twitter. While you're there, sign up for the emails to get the latest on all the rest of Breast Cancer Action's work. And if you value what you heard today, please support our work by donating on our website, bcaction.org, because together we can do something besides worry.